What do you do if your toddler is throwing food they don't want, making and preparing meals is difficult, and you are concerned your toddler is not getting enough nutrition on their plate? Throw in the holidays and you have concerns that your toddler might not want to try some of these festive or traditional holiday foods at the dinner table. Join our virtual Advent Calendar Countdown. We have been counting down the 25 days of Christmas in the 25 Days of Christmas Toddler Activities and Tips Guide made by eight amazing contributors that all have a background in helping parents or children and toddlers. So this guide is full of practical and helpful tips for parents, but also activities for your toddlers to do to survive this holiday time, including our best tips. Snag that in the show notes. And our guest speaker today, Nicole Cruz, she is also featured in these guides. So I highly recommend you check it out. Go ahead and click that link, get all the great 25 days and countdown and finish the countdown with us together until Christmas. Welcome to today's episode. We are so lucky to have Nicole Cruz joining us. Nicole is the founder of Nourish Together, a diet-free approach to family and nutrition. As a registered dietitian and mom of three, Nicole merges her personal and professional experience to best support parents in raising balanced and empowered eaters who can eat a variety, attune to their body cues, and self-regulate with all foods. She believes the foundation of healthy eating is first having a healthy relationship with food. Together, we bring more joy and less stress to the table. And that is exactly what we're going to talk about today with Nicole. So let's go ahead and get the combo started. I see you. Can you hear me? I can. Can you hear me? I can hear you. It's a miracle. (laughs) Well, oh my goodness, guys. Well, thank you, Nicole, for going through all these hoops to get on Facebook to talk to us in this group. (laughs) It's totally fine. Instagram does this to me sometimes too, where like I'll start the IG live and as soon as the other person joins, people are like, we can't hear you. We can't hear you. Yeah. I just don't know if it's really built for this, even though that's what we're using it for. So totally. here we are. Here we are. So we are so excited to have Nicole Cruz in our Toddler Mom Facebook group. This is the number one question that we've been getting in this group is all about new toddler nutrition, uh, what to do, like some of our concerns in this group were babies or toddlers throwing food was one of them. Another one was making and preparing meals. And another one was getting enough nutrition on the plate. I'm constantly asked about that. And I tell people, you know, my expertise is more in the behavior side of things. I'm not, I don't have that expertise. So that's why we're bringing you on because you're a registered dietitian, but we would also love to hear a little bit more about you so everybody can get to know you. Absolutely. Um, Thank you for having me. And yes, I am a registered dietitian. I'm also a mom of three kids who I guess are just out of toddler stage now, which is crazy to think about. So it feels like, (laughs) you know, going for so long, but I currently have an 11, eight and six year old. So they're a little bit older now, but totally get it. And I work with parents of toddlers through about 10 to 12 years old is when I work with the parents. And then when kids are 
become teenagers and move into adulthood, I work directly with teenagers and individuals working on their own habits and eating behaviors and everything. So the parents of younger children and then individuals themselves as they get older. And my main focus is really about having a healthy relationship with food above and beyond, because I think that lays the foundation for our kids being able to eat a variety of foods, for being able to eat the amount they need, for being willing to try new foods, for listening to their body cues, for not developing, you know, quote unquote, food issues and disordered behaviors around food. And so, well, I think nutrition is important. I think the foundation, though, starts with us having a healthy relationship with food. Okay, so that is really interesting, Nicole. So like at what age can we start building that healthy relationship? Is that something that happens later or do we work on it right away with our kids? Like when they're like eight months old or or as soon as they start solids or when do we start working on that healthy relationship? Yeah, absolutely. It's really from the get-go. I mean, it's about with like, you know, feeding a baby Uh, and people have different theories around. So I'm not here to like, I always believe people do what is best for them. And so, but if we think about it from the beginning, when a baby's first born, they know when they're hungry, like they cry when they're hungry. They Mm. often like push the breast away or push the bottle away when they're done with food. So they know those internal signals right away. And so we want to be thoughtful of honoring that when they're younger and same with toddlers. And as they first start solids, we'll see babies like turn their face away from a spoon because they're done or push it away or not be interested in food. And we want to be really thoughtful that we're not starting to pressure or force kids to eat. And that's how we, at a very young age, can even start to break some of those, what I would call healthy relationship patterns. For sure. Because I, when we think of toddlerhood, there's like an expansion of the amount of foods that kids will eat. But at the same time, there is like a restriction where we have some picky eating and some of those things come up where while they might not want certain food or because they're full, other times we see they might not want food because they're not comfortable with the food or not sure about it, or it's just not what they want at that moment. So it's a really fascinating topic, understanding that, because I know a lot of moms are so concerned about getting enough nutrition on the kid's plate, but it sometimes feels like, hey, we can do that. And it doesn't even necessarily mean they're going to eat it. And that's where we get into some of those parenting patterns where it's like, take one more bite, you know, or you need to finish your plate. So it's really interesting to learn, like, how do we build that positive relationship from the very beginning? Because we're starting, right? Aren't we starting the outcome, the track our kids are going to, the relationship they're going to have now? Yeah, absolutely. And you're exactly right, right? When they're younger, a lot of kids, and this isn't true for all kids. Some kids are not interested in food when they first start solids, but a lot of kids are more interested. It's kind of like something new, something fun. Even though they don't like everything, they might spit it out. They're still excited about food. But usually, and this varies with, you know, each child, it could be around 12 months, it could be around one and a half, it could be around two. But a lot of times in this age range is when they start to become more quote unquote picky, selective with their food choices. And that's for different reasons. Like you said, you know, it's part of its comfort level, you know, is it, I'm not comfortable with it. I've never seen it before. It could be taste, you know, some foods are more bitter. They're not as desirable as say a sweet fruit or something. Vegetables are tend to be a little bit harder to like. 
some kids are exerting more control. They're just like, I learned the word no, and I'm going to say it because I can. They're just like, nope, 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 right? So there's all these different reasons. And it's a really normal phase. But what we want to be really thoughtful about is how we handle it. Because the way that we handle what could just be a normal progression of them learning to eat, because that's what they're doing. They're also learning. We didn't even talk about this. They're learning how to move food around in their mouth, swallow it. Like, that's a learning process that they develop. That's why a baby can't, for multiple reasons, chew and swallow food, right? They don't have the mechanisms there to do it. Their digestive system is not equipped for it. But as kids get a little bit older, they have to learn to do that. How do I chew food? How do I push it to the back of my mouth? How do I swallow it? This is a learning process for them. So there's a lot of reasons they can become more selective, but it's all about the way that we handle it, which can either perpetuate them becoming right more and more selective, pushing more and more foods away, or can give them the space to actually learn to grow and like new food. Mm, that's so fascinating. And it kind of gave me an aha moment because when um, I work with parents with their toddlers, with siblings or peers, when sharing turn-taking, waiting transitions are so hard. And it's kind of like that reminder, like, hey, our toddlers, they, they still have to learn. They're still learning play skills. But we can kind of forget as parents and what you just mentioned about them getting used to food and chewing foods and that kind of thing. Like we think, okay, once they eat, they're eating. So there's nothing else to it. But that's not necessarily true. There's so many different types of foods and textures. And then we got the holidays coming up and we're presenting, right? We might be presenting some dishes that is totally different texture, sensory, and maybe the way they chew it is different. So thank you for that aha moment right there. Yeah, absolutely. And especially with the holidays, right? It can be overwhelming. There's often a lot of other people around. It can be chaotic, overstimulating. There's just so much going on for these little humans to potentially not want to try new foods or to not want to eat at all. Yeah. So that kind of leads us into our next question for you is how do we navigate kind of the holidays? We already just had Thanksgiving. So we had a little bit of a taste of maybe how that went for us. So now we have some more holidays coming up and holiday meals, traveling, different different environment, different table, different people around and different foods. You know, you have to try grandma's best recipe or whatever. Not only that, we have like that layer of if our child is used to eating every two or three hours and now we're waiting for some like Christmas dinner or some kind of meal, what happens there? Like how do we navigate all these changes in our, our toddler's eating schedule and how do we, do we keep it? What do we do? There's so, there's so many questions we have for navigating that. Yeah, absolutely. I think one is lower the expectations, like <laughs> that, you know, around what a family meal needs to be around what they're going to eat. These are times when our kids are probably going to gravitate towards more of their actual safe foods and things they're comfortable with. Mm. So you're going to family's house, if you're traveling, like there might be stuff there. I mean, I know when I go to my family's house, we have a big, you know, table out of cheese and crackers and chips and stuff that, that my kids can eat, you know, even if they're not wanting the big family dinner. So maybe your family does have, you know, food out at the gathering or whatever it might be. But if you're not sure, you might bring some extra snacks and things you know that they're comfortable with. And 
I like to call it a daily rhythm as opposed to like some sort of rigid schedule. So even if they're used to having breakfast at 7 a.m. and a snack at you know 9 a.m. or whatever it might be, we still want to be looking for that rhythm of every two to three hours that we're providing them food, even if it's not the exact same timing that we normally would have. We just want to make sure we're giving them the opportunity. And that doesn't mean that we're forcing them that we're saying you have to take two bites mm-hmm. or come eat this cracker and then you can go play. We're just giving them the space for that. So we want to offer them the food and then allow them to either choose to eat or not eat every couple of hours. And I would say, again, going back to like the big family meal, they might not be interested in eating it anyways, especially if it's a lot of people or it's loud or whatever it might be. So certainly, you know, try to navigate timing around so they might be ready to eat at that time because if they're not hungry, they're not going to eat at all. But if your kid's going to be having a meltdown waiting for the family meal, it's much better to give them a snack. And I think one of the things that we have to be okay with too, and I, I'm going on a little bit of a tangent here, but I think sometimes we feel pressure from our family or other yes. people, especially around food. Mm-hmm. And so I really encourage parents to to stand in their own authority with that and really know and be confident about what their child needs best. And if that means that their kiddo isn't hungry at the meal and they need to color in the corner or be given a toy or even watch a movie while everybody else is eating because that's just going to be a better fit for them, then do it, you know, and people are going to judge us left and right. So you can only do what's best for your child. But I think, of course, we want them to be available for the meal if if that's possible, but that's just not a good fit for your kiddo and they need to eat earlier than that or they're going to be falling apart then maybe give them another activity or see if you could bring a, I even recommend this for regular dinner time where, you know, we can really only expect kids to be present at the table for about as many minutes as they are old or double that. So a two-year-old may only even be able to be present at a meal for like four minutes. Now, of course we can work up from that and that's fine. And if they have a good comfortable seat and something to do, then maybe they're going to be more willing to. But a lot of times, a four-year-old really looking at like 10 minutes for them to be sitting at the table. You know, it's a period of time they can really tolerate that. But a way we can kind of bridge on that and something I recommend is to have something very small and not too distracting that they can do at the table. So Mm -hmm. something like a matchbox size car they could play with or you know, those tiny little notepads they can draw on or something that doesn't like take so much space, but that you could play or they could write on or something. Maybe it's a game that they can engage in. that's just a fun back and forth word game, not with a bunch of things, guessing something like something like that, that you can just be engaging with them or giving them a small activity to do because they're not going to want to stay long. We want to, for lack of a better word, train them to be at the table longer, to learn to do that. But it doesn't happen overnight. It's hard for them to just sit there. Yeah, those are some great tips about being okay with if, you know, if they're, if it's not the time for them to sit, it's okay if they're doing something else, a different activity, or they could bring something small with them to the table. And just the perspective of what you said, like a four year old is about 10 minutes. And a lot of us that have between one to three year olds, that's a really sh- actually a, it's a long for them, but it's, it it might seem like a short time for us. So even if we can just include them, making it a positive experience and not one where 
yeah, we, we set the tone where it's, it's uncomfortable and we're requiring them to sit because it's not a timeout, you know, that they should be associating with. We want it to be family meals to be fun. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, if your kid is really hungry and they're really interested, of course they might. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Hungry and they just need a few bites of something or again, they ate not too long before. We can't expect them to sit there for too long, you know? And like you said, I mean, one of the huge things, I mean, my group is called Joyful Eating for Your Family because the way that we set the tone for meals and for food in general is what helps form that better relationship with food that allows them to want to eat, to want to try new foods. Because think about like if the family meal is always chaotic, if there's a lot of pressure, if there's fighting going on in the background. Nobody wants to be there. Nobody wants to eat. That doesn't encourage enjoyment of food, which is really the crux of what it takes to what I call raise a happy and healthy eater. That's so amazing. I love that your group does that. That's really, really awesome. You'll have to share that with us in in the comments after the live so others can join or check it out. All right. When we come back, we're going to talk more about family eating a healthy mindset for mamas with our toddlers and navigating mealtime. Hey mamas, let's take a quick break. I wanted to share with you Meltdown Mastery, the listening and skilled toddler mini course. Get helpful tools sent straight to your inbox and get your child to listen in two seconds. Imagine a calm home with less meltdowns. Go to the show notes for the link or head to twinmomroadmap.com backslash guides for super helpful tools and resources. Also, become a part of our cozy Facebook community for support, conversation, and double the laughter. Link in show notes to join. So what I was thinking is if we are struggling with family meals and things like that in our normal routine, and then now we have this holiday meal at somebody else's house or auntie's house and other people, then, then we really do have to lower our expectations. But like, what are ways that we can kind of work on these positive experiences before the holidays? So, because if we think about it, and I, and I always like to use this analogy, uh, especially when I talk about behavior and meltdowns is we, we can't expect our kids to show up on game day and hit the ball out of the park without ever practicing. We can't expect them to perform without practice. And so how can we incorporate more positive practice before the holidays? And because I know we have some busy moms and schedules are off and sometimes we can't always have family meals together. Maybe somebody's partner works late or there's all these like different obstacles, right? We run into. So how can we really what can we do about it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, for one, if anybody has gab- grabbed the toddler guide that Heather has so beautifully put together for us all, in there, I do have a section on positive mealtime practices. And so that is like your checklist mm. for how we can make mealtime positive. And what it's really about is knowing your role in the feeding relationship. And that huge. And that's where we start with everything is that as parents, we have to know what 
our own boundaries are so that we don't overstep and do what our toddler's job in the feeding relationship actually is. So our job as parents and knowing your role is to provide the food to make sure that you're providing a variety of options for them to eat, including something that you know they're comfortable with or what we call kind of a safe food, something they've had before, not like, I'm going to make this new casserole that has five foods in it. They never had it before. And I'm going to serve it with green beans that they hate or something, right? Like that's not giving them a great chance at success. So we want to make sure there's some sort of safe food. If they like rolls, we serve rolls with it or some crackers or something to make sure that we are providing a safe food. So we have to know our role. I call this set it and forget it. Our job is to decide what food we're providing, put it out on the table, make sure there's a variety of options and something safe there. And then hands are off. So that's why I say it, set it and forget it. Once we put the food down, we've decided our job is done. It's then our child's job to decide if they want to eat from what we provided, how much they might want to eat from what we've provided, what order they want to eat their food in from what we've provided. But that's all their job to then navigate the table. That doesn't mean they go scour the cupboards and they say, I don't want any of this. Now I'm going to go get out a granola bar or fruit gummies or something. That's not what we're saying at all. Our job is to decide what is going on the table. So it's the what, when, and where. What food is going on the table, what time we're providing a meal or snack, and where we're sitting. So we don't have to give them the iPad in the living room. If we don't want, if you choose to do that, that's okay. But like you get to decide those things. That's your role. And so when I say positive mealtime practices, it's making sure that you're not overstepping your boundaries Mm -hmm. and they take two more bites. If you want to have a cracker, you need to eat your vegetable, right? Like all of this creates tension and strain at the table and actually takes our children away from their body cues and learning to eat and like new foods. And what it often does is it also puts foods on what I call like different playing fields so that if Mm -hmm. we're telling them, you want to eat your vegetables to get a cracker. Now it's making crackers feel special, making vegetables feel crummy. And so they're less likely to want their vegetables because they feel like, oh, I have to eat those because you just told them they do, right? And what do kids do? (laughs) Don't tell (laughs) us what to do. Like you told me what to do. So they're an automatic ick now. I don't want to do that. And they're like, oh, but crackers are something special. I have to earn them. I have to eat this to get them, right? We do that with dessert all the time. Eat your vegetables if you want dessert. So we need to step back and allow our children to navigate that on their own. Yeah, that's amazing. And I really feel like a lot of this does start very young because while toddlers might not engage in what an an older kid dessert might look like, they still have their own preferences that they really like, whether it is like fruit chews or yogurt pops or bites. They they have the things that they they know is kind of one of their preferences. And that dynamic still exists at this younger age for sure. But I love how what you said about not micromanaging what or how they eat besides that we put it on the plate, we give it to them, that this is the meal. And then our job is to step back and let them decide how they're going to, what they're going to eat first. And I love that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's our job to just be really calm and non-reactive about it too. So mm. I think like these first steps are like knowing your role and removing the reactivity so that even if they choose to only eat the crackers and not eat their vegetables or whatever, that we're not getting upset. We're not, you know, reacting to them because they feel that tension, which again, doesn't make them want to eat those foods. It doesn't make mealtimes pleasant. It doesn't help them learn to like them. 
And I know that it can feel really important in the moment to be like, my kid needs vegetables. They need their vitamins. They need their things. But we have to remember that we're feeding for the future. Like this one meal or snack does not determine the health of your child versus them having healthy relationship with food for the rest of their life. I love how you see that bigger picture of, of health and that one meal really doesn't because often when moms are overwhelmed, we feel like caught in the moment, like this meal is the make or break. And I think we think that maybe because we had been going so long worrying in our head about, you know, for example, my toddlers used to love vegetables. They would eat peas. They would, they would eat all sorts of vegetables when they were between one and two. But as soon as they turned two, veggies went, they were just no longer interested, but they would still consume fruit. So I'm like, well, at least they're getting fruit. But in my head, I was like, wow, they're not eating any vegetables. And I think that kind of thing can stew in our head. And then it makes that one meal time makes you feel like this is the meal <laughs> that's going to make or break their health. And it's not really the case. I love that perspective. Nutrition is rarely like a really urgent issue. You know, of course we want to be thoughtful of it, but it's not like this one meal or even a week of not having vegetables or whatever. And I love what you said, Heather, because I think it's so important for all parents to hear is that fruits and vegetables have very similar nutrients. Mm -hmm. And so if your child likes fruit, that doesn't mean you don't introduce. Kids have to be exposed to vegetables to get comfortable with them, to learn to like them. They have to have the opportunity to eat them. If we don't serve them, they don't have the opportunity. So we don't want to remove them and not show them to them, expose them, right? Again and again, we want to keep vegetables there for exposure and for the ability to eat them, the opportunity to eat them. But if your child loves fruit, lean into that. Make sure you serve that regularly so they're still getting those nutrients. Also, we rarely see nutrition deficiencies anymore because we fortified all of our grains with B vitamins and iron and all sorts of things. So that's why I say nutrition is rarely an urgent issue. Yes, we want them to learn to like these things, but we can calm down about it and be patient about it and help them learn to like it instead of it being like, this needs to happen right now. I love how you said continuing to expose them because I remember a while back, between that one to two age of my toddlers, that when they rejected the vegetable so many times, I did stop serving it. And then that means that opportunity is gone. Or if I did serve it, it was maybe I did it very few times. And so I love that perspective of still serving it. And it, and I guess it, it doesn't mean we have to throw out like a whole bag of broccoli. You know, I'm sure there's a way that we can be strategic about exposing without throwing out so much food or food being chucked on the floor because our toddler's like, no. <laughs> For sure. And I mean, some of the things I always tell parents, lean into what you like. So if you're cutting up a pepper for yourself to put on your salad, give your kid a piece this big of it. You know what I mean? Like just put it there so they can see it or they could play with it or they can touch it or whatever. It doesn't have to be your, you know, going to the store and getting every vegetable under the sun. Use the things that you naturally gravitate towards yourself to expose them. Start very small because big pieces are usually overwhelming for them too. So give them a little piece of something that you're just serving. And, and that's what we really want to do in an ideal world is to be serving the same food to everybody so that when you sit down at the table, you're giving everybody the same dinner. So if you're cooking green beans or peas or broccoli or whatever you want or mixed vegetables, that's available to your child too. 
Yes, I think that's so important. And I, I also notice, like if I anecdotally, if I snack on something and my toddlers notice I'm eating it, they'll try foods I would never think they would try, you know, and uh, because they're like, she's eating that. I, I want to at least tempt it. Like they'll at least want to put it to their mouth. So I feel like that's super important too. When you said expose them to what you're eating, what you like. Yep. A role modeling is a huge part of them. And that's why I say, right, it's not about pressure or force, but there are other tools and strategies we can use to help them learn to like new foods. It's not like we're not doing anything. And at the very basic level, it's exposure, it's role modeling, it's creating enjoyment and fun around food. It's getting them in the kitchen to help. Like these are all tools and strategies to help them build that comfort with food and have the opportunity to try. That is super amazing. Is there anything else, Nicole, that you would like to share with us before we wrap up our conversation today? Um, no, I think this was great yeah. to just get to chat about some of the basic things. I think if you know, you've been caught up in being really worried about nutrition, I want to encourage you to relax about it. Of course, if your child is not growing at the rates that they're supposed to be growing, if you have concerns because they're dropping the foods drastically and you feel like, I don't know what else to feed them anymore, if they are completely not eating from multiple food groups, like all of these are flags that I would say, talk to your pediatrician, speak with a pediatric dietitian, like get an assessment done. Don't ignore that. But on the other hand, we also want to relax and be patient with our kids. And that's really the key is how can I focus on creating a fun and enjoyable environment to give them the space to learn to like new foods and to eat the amount their body needs? I love that. And I think like also to not get so defeated and give up hope because, you know, as an anecdotal story, as I explained, my toddlers just didn't want any vegetables, anything to do with them for like, you know, the last six months. But one thing they started to be interested in was, you know, they started liking the, like a, the green smoothie with the zucchini and the butternut squash. And I was like, you know what? Like, because I, we exposed them to that and you never know, like, I'm like, okay, so now at least I can put some greens in their smoothie, even if they're not eating it on their plate. So just continuing to expose, continuing to model and not get defeated. And, and it starts, it really starts with us. We're the model. So we got to bring that energy to the table. We, and of course we're human. We're all going to have our moments, but, but For so sure. we're going to, so we would really just need, you know, hearing this is so inspirational and we definitely want to check out your Facebook group or any other resources that you have. So where can we find you? Yeah, absolutely. I do have a Facebook group called Joyful Eating for Your Family. It's a big community. So you can you can check things out in there. I'm on Instagram at Diet Free Family. And then I have, you know, I have free guides and resources. I have a group program, like lots of other things. So if you found me here, just shoot me a DM on Instagram, say hello, and I can certainly point you to any resources that might be helpful as well. That is amazing. And Nicole is also featured in our 25 Days of Christmas Toddler Activities and Tips Guide. Guide 2 is coming out this Monday, December 11th. And wow, what she put in this guide is so good. It's great to have kind of the note version of our conversation plus even more. And 
a special bonus in there for you guys if you check it out. So if you haven't got that yet, make sure to check that out too and and check out Nicole's write-up in that guide because it's really good. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Nicole. We'll post all the important links to find Nicole in the bottom of this live. All right. Thank you, Nicole. See you later. Thank you. Bye. Bye. And that wraps up another episode filled with tools and insights to help your parenting journey have clarity and ease. Remember, every child is unique and so is our experience, especially when there's more than one. Keep celebrating those small victories and learning along the way. I'm Heather, your Twin Mama Guide, and until next time, here's to raising skilled, self-regulated toddlers who listen, learn, and love. Take care and see you soon.